This is Mark from Mark on Money. Today we're going to talk about how to protect your nest egg from the certainty of uncertainty regarding market volatility. And now, live from the heart of Sioux City, Mark on Money with your host, Mark Gills. The key is having a plan in place, knowing what you're going to do, a place where your retirement questions are answered. You could be putting tens of thousands in jeopardy. You'll get the latest news on 401ks and retirement planning. It can make a profound difference with what you can and can't afford in retirement. If you've got questions on how to properly structure your assets and build retirement income, you're in the right place. Welcome in to Mark on Money. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Mark on Money with Mark Eels. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Mark is a certified financial planner, been helping folks for more than 30 years. He's a fiduciary and independent, uh, and he's with EFS Wealth Management. The website is EFS, the number four, the letter U.com. Keep that in mind. You can reach Mark that way. Uh, hi, Mark. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, segment, I think. I think so, too. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the world is feeling, you know, maybe more volatile to us in the financial world. Maybe to some people it's feeling less volatile and the market seems like it can never go down and just continues to go straight up. But when you're preparing to retire or you're already retired, it is essential to consider the effect of the stock market's volatility on your retirement savings. And again, so so are you feeling that? I mean, are you hearing that from people? Are they are they feeling un uncertain? Are they feeling uneasy about things? The way the market is, the way I mean, you know, inflation, all of those things. Are you hearing? Well, those? not yet. I no? mean, I, okay. I've got I've got a few clients that I have that are just perfect barometers of the market, because anytime that they think the market is going to go down or or they're panicking. They call, and my response is, that's fantastic. I've been waiting for your phone call because I've got some money I need to invest because they usually are the perfect canaries in the coal mine that tell me now is a great time to invest. But what scares me is when I don't hear from those people. And uh, so that gets me more concerned than when I do hear from them. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because it's actually a true story. Every every time this one individual called, he called every time the market was just about ready to take off, and he wanted to take some money off the table. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the timing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But in, in all seriousness, though, one of the things that is so important to understand, and I think most investors never, ever um, get it. Um, they, they just... They, they just do not understand that the markets are driven by human behavior um, and that your brain is totally wired to fail when it comes to investing. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting, uh, you know, and, and I have a behavioral finance degree, you know, so behavioral yeah. finance you know, talks about what your biases do and just how your brain functions and making decisions. And you know, that's important to understand where your decision process comes from and what type of decision process you're using um, because emotions inevitably cause you to fail and lose money. Uh, but that's exactly how all of us are wired. And and one of the things is, is, is you know, the further away we get from 
um, a market crash. Um, and, and I don't know if, if, you know, the pandemic crash, you know, was really a market crash. And I know it did cause some people to panic, but it was so fast um, and recovered so quickly that a lot of people didn't even have time to react. Um, the one that really relates to me the most is probably the 08 and 09 um, financial crisis, but one that really played on people's emotions the most, which most of us here probably don't remember because you didn't have enough money back then. But that was, well, maybe you did and you lost most of it, but that was the dot-com crash. Sure. Um, and the reason why that was such a horrible market and really affected so many people was it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't 2008, 2009. Yeah, the market lost, you know, 50%, you know, over uh, over several months. You know, the um, pandemic crash, the market lost, you know, 30% in a matter of a month and a half, uh, but then recovered and, you know, you were back to actually positive by, you know, August of 2020. And so, I mean, that wasn't really a big deal. But 2001 and two, the market literally lost money for three years in a row. And that was something that was just devastating to people because they finally just gave up and said, you know, look, the market's just never going to recover. I'm just going to cash out. I'm going to do something different, you know, or what really happened and what really where the market bottomed was, because uh, I remember it, was people just said, I just quit opening my statements. I just <laughs> I just quit looking, you know, because it was just so ugly. I mean, and, and back then we didn't really have, you know, most people didn't have access to their markets on a daily basis. You know, that's really horrible, I think. You know, if you're checking your account every single day, sure. stop doing that because there's no reason to do that, number one. Um, you know, really, if you're going to be an investor, you, you know, and you're invested into either mutual funds or ETFs and you have an asset allocation strategy, you know, and you have a plan set up, really check it a couple times a year uh, and live life and enjoy it. Um, and don't worry about the up and down volatility, you know, because markets usually don't do anything 75% of the time. 25% of the time is when you see the gains happen mm -hmm. or and 10% and, and of the time or 5% of the time you see losses. And so, you know, two thirds of the time, the markets really doesn't do a whole lot over over a given week or month time period. Um, so anyway, let's talk about you know, what I mentioned before is the longer you move away from those crises, you tend to kind of become oblivious to them. And so, you know, if you talk to somebody about investing in 2009, you know, they really didn't want to even hear it, you know, but as 2010 rolled around, 2011, what happens mentally uh, in your brain, it tends to dull the pain of loss. Of the course. longer time you move away from that loss, your psychology or your brain is telling you, oh, it wasn't that bad. Um, you know, it, it didn't feel that terrible. And you forget what it actually felt like during that period of time. Um, and, you know, that's just the way we're wired as human beings. I mean, we're, we're meant to you know, not dwell on uh, what do you want to call it? 
crises or things that really you know hurt us sure. emotional and caused panic you know so the brain kind of rewires itself to i would say fake you out that it wasn't really that bad until it happens again and then all of a sudden you have that flight and fight response your adrenaline goes up and all of those feelings all of a sudden come flooding back and that's why people typically end up buying at market highs and selling at market lows because as we are now almost a decade away from or more than a decade away from the financial crisis um, people have kind of forgot about it and they're back in the markets and you know they're listening to the you know, markets continue to go up and up and up um, and you know you see more and more people um, getting into the market. And of course, greed is one of the other things you know, <laughs> always, that, that takes always over, you know, fear and greed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a fear and greed index and markets tend to peak when greed is at the highest and bottom when, you know, fear is at the highest, you know, and that's sure. just the way it is. So we're going to talk about how do you then function as an investor to make sure that you're uh, able to not make uh, I wouldn't say make any mistakes, um, but make as many or make any serious portfolio mistakes that will blow up your retirement. And well, that, that's the key we want to talk about. Don't that, blow up your retirement. Don't. Well, I like when you said you're, we're wired to fail. And as I think about that, that really is true. Um, and, and that takes us into sequence of returns risk, which is something that we have to really understand in order to get a grasp on not making those kinds of mistakes. Right, because I saw this back in the 90s, um, and we're bound to repeat it, but there's, an, there's a different subset of investors today than what were in the 90s, but they're reacting, you know, similar. I wouldn't say the same because the economic environment uh, is a little bit different, um, but in other aspects, it's similar. You know, when people start saying that you know what I, I i i'm expecting to get you know a 15 to 25 percent or 35 percent return um or when they think they cannot lose and they're investing money themselves you know what they say in a bull market everybody's a genius right you know so i mean no matter what are. you do you end up making money because everything goes up but in a bear market you find out, you know, that the, you find out who is what they call it swimming naked, so to speak. <laughs> sure. You know, well, when the tide goes out. Yes, and, I get it. You know, that's what happened in the dot com crash. You know, you found out what companies didn't have a business plan and were just preying on, you know, IPO money and had basically spent all of the money on on parties and poor marketing and never generated any revenue or at least not never never generated any profits um so anyway one of the things you talked about steve was sequence of return risk right and so what sequence of return risk is the best way to explain it is um if you took a spreadsheet um and you took the s p 500 index and you can actually go do this if you want to if you visit with me uh either on zoom or uh, in our offices, um, I'll actually show you the spreadsheet where we actually do this and actually illustrate the sequence of return risk. But basically, the sequence of return risk is based off of one principle. And here's the interesting thing. 
all of you here learned how to be an awesome investor back in second grade. How so? So let me repeat that. Second grade is where you learned how to be a investor and you learned about sequence of return risk because you learned one mathematical principle and it's called the commutative principle of mathematics. And what the commutative principle of mathematics is, the definition is, so let me repeat that, the commutative principle of mathematics teaches you everything that you need to know about investing. And it says that no matter the order, you come up with the same answer. So if you take a number of random numbers and you put them in any order, you come up with the same answer. So in, in other words, 1 times 2 times 3 is 6. 2 times 1 times 3 is 6. 3 times 1 times 2 is 6. That is the definition of the commutative principle of mathematics. Okay, I'm with you. Yep. And so in sequence of return risk, as long as you're investing money, it doesn't matter. So in other words, if you took the S&P 500 over the last 20 years, starting in 2000, you had three negative years in a row, right? Yes. And then we had 08 and, you know, 09, you know, so we had 08 was a negative year, you know, just looking at calendar years. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had a couple other years where it was slightly negative or didn't make much money. But if you took all of those numbers and you mixed them up in any random order, you're going to come up with about a 7.6% average return for the S&P 500 in it. It doesn't matter what order those returns come in. The bottom line number, in other words, if you started with a million dollars in 2000, the number that you end at 20 years later is going to be the same no matter the order of returns. Doesn't matter. Okay. So you could have you could take all of the little numbers first or all the big numbers first. You could put them in any sequence that you wanted to and the answer is always going to be the same. And so what I tell young people is, you know what, it doesn't matter what the markets do doesn't matter the order of returns. If the market averages 8% over the next 30 years, you're going to do well. Um, but here is the, the answer, is that if the market averages 8% over the next 30 years and you're taking a 4% withdrawal, do you think that you'll able, be able to sustain that withdrawal and not run out of money? Most people would say, well, sure, you're... you're, you're you know, withdrawing 4%, you're making 8%, it should, it should be okay. Well, the answer is it, do, it depends on the sequence of returns. Because if your return sequence begins with negative numbers, you will run out of money in that scenario. Okay. How so in other words, if you retired in 2000 and you started drawing money off of your portfolio, you are probably close to zero at this point if you didn't change your withdrawal strategy at all. Okay, well, that makes uh, and sense. And you had 100% in the S&P 500 index. Even though you were only taking 4 or 5% back in 2000 and the S&P averaged over 7% over the last 20-some years, because of those huge negative returns at the beginning, because just think of this, if, if you're withdrawing 4%, uh, on a million dollar portfolio and the market loses 50% of its value, 
What's your percent withdrawal now at the beginning of the fourth year, just like in 2004? Um, you know, well, it's almost 8%. So, I mean, you're drawing an 8% withdrawal out of your portfolio, and that is a huge drag on the return. It's very difficult for a portfolio to recover when you're actually selling at the bottom. And that's what happens if you just simply have a static withdrawal strategy that you're taking money from something that has lost money. And so if you go to our website, EFS, the number four, the letter U.com, we talk about sequence of return risk. There's videos, there's, there's graphs that show the difference between withdrawing money where you have negative returns early on versus positive returns early on and what that does to your chances of sustaining that withdrawal strategy through retirement. Not only that, but you know, here's here's the thing we talked about before the the behavioral finance aspect. Right. If you retired in 2000 and by 2004, 50% of your money was gone, um you know, even though, you know, you understood markets and the best time to invest is after a bear market, but you're at you're at half of what you just started with three years ago, and you're in retirement, and you're not working anymore. What do you think your your brain is telling you? Sell, your, sell, sell. Yeah, your brain is saying, hey, you know, you know what? I lost fifty percent of my money, but hey, you know what? I still have fifty percent of it left. I don't want to lose everything because the sky is falling, the world's coming to an end because yep. it always is at, at the bottom of the markets. Yep. You know, and so what do you do? Well, you change your investment. You sell out at that point, or you or you take some money off the table, and it never recovers. And then you've just compounded that that problem uh, of and the number one fear that retirees face, which is running out of money in retirement. Wow, I mean, you you paint a picture there, Mark. It's pretty easy to follow once you once you begin to understand how it works. And one of the things that you do at at EFS or or is you know EFS Wealth Management is is you make sure that we adjust accordingly. And if the market starts to do something, we you know you make some adjustments proactively than rather than just waiting for something to happen. Yeah, you know, I get interviewed here locally um, whenever there's a crisis. Of course. You know, nobody wants to interview and say, hey, Mark, the stock market's doing well. <laughs> it's hitting new highs. Let's talk about how great everything is. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure your clients are calling all concerned about, you know, mar new market highs in the market and what should they do, blah, blah, blah. No, I get interviewed when the market loses half of its value. Um, and you know, they're like, Oh, what are your clients doing? I bet you're answering a lot of phone calls. You're holding a lot of hands. You know, people are worried. Um, that's the time when, you know, the media wants to continue to, you know, incite that level of angst because that's when people pay attention. Usually, of course it is. And the yes. viewership goes up and you know, all that other good stuff. And so, yeah, usually I tell people is look, when, when I get a call for an interview, um, and you know, it's usually something that either I should be buying or I should be selling because it's usually the market high or the market low. Um, just like I was interviewed, you know, and Bitcoin now is, you know, 50 plus thousand, but I was interviewed when Bitcoin was at 20,000. Oh, wow. Like, what do you think we should do? Should you, should, are you talking to your clients about buying Bitcoin and yada, yada, yada? Well, that was right before Bitcoin went from 20,000 to 6,000. You know, it lost 70% of its value uh, the next year. 
right after the interview. And that's what I said in my interview. I said, look, I, I think because you guys are interviewing and talking about this, I think you should be selling Bitcoin right now because you're the best barometer when you show up at my door and you want me on TV you know, or on radio to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's kind of a, an afterthought. But let's talk more about what can we do because that's what this show is about is what can we do to keep that emotional decision-making out of our retirement planning. One of the ways that you do it, and again, you go to our website, efs for you. so EFS, the number four, the letter U.com, and how we manage money for people that it makes sense to. You know, not everybody fits into a neat little package, but a lot of people, this, this strategy works well, is to segment your money into different buckets. So the money you're drawing off of today, and you're already retired, you know, is money that is guaranteed. It's in a ladder bond strategy. It's in CDs. It's in cash. But it's a place where it cannot lose money, you know, period. And, and that's, that's your first bucket of money. And that may be three, four, five years of guarantees that so if the market heads south, you're not going to panic. You know, you're not selling something that's lost money. You know, you're, you're drawing an income from it, and you're drawing that bucket down to zero, you know, so you're spending 100% of that money that's sitting in that bucket, and you've segmented your other monies into the appropriate risk factors for the next time segment. So the next time segment, say the first bucket's five years, the next bucket is five to 10 years where you're going to draw it down from. The next bucket's 10 to 15 years, 15 to 20 years, and so forth. And the most aggressive money that you have is in those later buckets, that 15-year, 20-year bucket where, hey, you know what? If the markets have a big downturn, you don't need to do anything with that money or you don't need it to sustain your living at that point for 15 more years. So you're like, you know what? This isn't fun. You know, my 15-year bucket just lost 30%. But you know what? I, I don't need that money. I'm living off of my guaranteed bucket in number one. I've got my second conservative bucket in number two. My, my fourth bucket over here, yeah, it, it's down, but I, I'm not going to panic. I don't have to change anything I'm doing, so I'm just going to keep on enjoying life and not worry about it because my emotions are telling me that, that to do one thing, but my, um, what do you call it, the rational, my, my rational <laughs> right. brain is saying, hey, you don't do anything. You've already planned this out before this happened. You're a rational, straightforward thinker. You put a plan in place. Now the emotions want you to change it. And he's like, no emotions go away. I'm just going to have fun. So, well, everybody else is panicking. Right. So that is what you can do to alleviate the sequence of return risk so that you don't sell something that you have to sell at a loss. And that is really what the sequence of return strategy is about is putting your money into different buckets having money available also for emergencies and things that you don't think of in a place where you can get to it and you won't have to ever sell that investment at a loss no matter what is going on with the markets and again but that's how you put a plan together mark that's what you've said i mean we've been working together for what three years maybe and, and yeah three that's, years that's, something that's like exactly that. what you've been saying all along and that's why when when the market is going crazy you don't get a lot of phone calls because people know they're protected right and it's a written plan so you can see it you know it's not a one portfolio thing 
where all of your money is in one bucket and maybe it's in you know cash and stocks and bonds and whatever but even in that strategy if you're taking equal distributions you're still selling equities um, and and your brain is telling you that this isn't a good thing because you're looking at your portfolio as a whole rather than looking at it appropriately according to the time frame that you're going to need the money at it makes a big difference in my experience because I've seen it and when I get interviewed um, from the media um, you know I, I actually kind of have to fib to them because they're like oh yeah you got a lot of people calling you because the market's down 30 percent and and I, I and it's like yeah we're dealing with that kind of thing but in reality our phones are not ringing off the hook because people understand their strategy and they know that yes downturns happen but their money is set aside in the money that they need today tomorrow next year the next few years that they don't have to panic and so we don't get those phone calls sure yeah we still get a few I'm not gonna lie about it you know but those are usually the people that call no matter what you know? <laughs> that, no matter exactly and we know that and and yeah as to me, it, it makes so much sense to work with the fiduciary advisor like you, Mark, like your team, to to get us there. That really will give us as a as a client the confidence to just boldly go out there and, like you said, have fun. That's what we want to do in retirement. We want to have some fun. Right. But you've got to have a written plan. Exactly. Precisely. Um, that, that actually lays it out and segment the money. You know, it, it needs to be identified and segmented into that bucket of what you're going to need the money for. Now remember, you know that you know time segmented distribution is the is the name of the strategy. We call it our bucket strategy um, because it's just simpler to understand. You know, buckets versus segments, but it's the same thing. And and remember, Warren Buffett. You know, you can have your opinion of whether he was the greatest investor ever, but the principles that he used, I think, made a whole lot of sense. And he says the number one thing that you need to understand about investing money is you have to identify what the purpose of the investment is for. That's number one. And by segmenting your money, that's exactly what you're doing. You're identifying the purpose of your money. Is it a one-year purpose? Is it a five-year purpose? Is it a 20-year purpose? Those all should be invested differently. It's good to know. And, and again, it comes down to, like you just said, purpose determines placement. And it's so simple, but it's so true. And especially if we've been saving our whole life, we've been a good saver, it comes time for that transition into retirement where it's distribution, preservation. That's when the plan really shines and, and, and really helps get us where we want to be. And here's, here's another little caveat. Um, you know, we've designed our practice around this strategy um, because I, you know, Almost all of our clients are either retiring now and rolling money out of their 401k or are already retired, but most of them already have other advisors that they're working with. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason why, for the most part, your advisor doesn't implement this strategy because it is super time consuming to implement in our office to put a strategy like this into place it takes total staff and office time about 20 to 40 hours and so that's per client and so if you have an advisor let's say 
um, who's just a single advisor with one staff person to support that practice, mm -hmm. there is absolutely no way that they can implement this strategy um, with any, you know, any uh, what any any uh, volume or any uh, um, scale. That's sure. the word I'm looking scale. for. Sure. Yeah, they they can't scale this strategy um, because you would be looking at 20 to 40 hours per individual or per couple to implement this strategy and do it correctly. And then there's the ongoing management of it because it's not a set it and forget it strategy. Most of the people out there, they want you to be putting your money into a set it and forget it allocation because then they don't have to do anything. You know, they invest your money. It's all in one portfolio. There's no strategy to distribution, no time segmented strategy. It's just all in one place. So if you want to know why this isn't done more, it's because the practices or the advisor is not capable from a scalability point to do it. <laughs> okay. But we are. That's, that, the, that's what we do. That's our practice. That's that, how we've developed it. And, and you've been doing this for more than 30 years, Mark. You've seen some ups and downs and, and sideways markets. Yeah, and we've been using this. Yeah, we've been using this since the 90s, you know. Okay. Um, so that's how we've, you know, we've been working with retirees over that long of a period of time. So, yeah, we've seen what happens in down markets, up markets, sideways markets, um, crazy markets, you know, all those good things. So, and Mark, if, if uh, you know, someone listening to the podcast isn't uh, from, you know, Sioux City, can you could still help them, right? I mean, I know you help folks in Nebraska and, and, and around and even in South Dakota, but can people from further out reach into you? We're, we work with people from the East Coast to the West Coast, even up into Alaska. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, um, I don't have anybody in Hawaii yet because, you know, it's just, I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of people that go there, that yes. have homes there, and so forth, but they're they're not residents uh, anyway of Hawaii. But mm -hmm. no, we're licensed in I don't know thirty thirty some states out of fifty states. Yeah, not you know, yeah. so uh, and we're able to work with you no matter where you live, what you do. Um, so absolutely. And again, folks can reach you at your website. That's efs the number four the letter u dot com. They can email you direct. Mark, what is that? Mark at EFS4U.com. Simple as that. Yep. And they can give you a call as well? Yes. And by the way, it's Mark with a C. Mark with a C. Oh, yeah. good to remember that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you can call me too. 712-224-4651. Um, again, 712-224-4651. Or, yeah, email us. Go to our website. Check it out. Um, even if you just want a question answered, I'll reply back to you. Well, again, I mean, the whole sequence of returns and, you know, Mark, like I said, we've been working a long time. I work with a lot of different advisors, and that was probably the most succinct description of sequence of returns risk that I've ever heard. That was fantastic. Yeah. Well, we teach a lot of, you know, I teach a lot of educational workshops. So, you know, I've, I've learned how to dumb it down a little bit. Yeah, well, and it wasn't so much dumbed down. I mean, you just you just explained it the way that it works and why it works and how you can work around it and work within it. Right. Yep. So again, we're gonna we're gonna call it quits for this segment. So thank you again for tuning in, and uh, you know, look forward to uh, having you join us again.
securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor, EFS Group, and the Securities America companies are unaffiliated. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Coach P. Ray.